Amen. Thank you, Dan. Good morning, church. Man, it is so good to be with you. And uh, amazing that you are here and on time. Well done. Excellent. We talked last week about this key, this absolute key thing in our lives. And it was prayer. And, and rather than a specific form, I guess it's a form, but rather than, than a specific type, it was more this call that, that we need to be continually praying. As in, our prayer never stops. Meaning that we're always aware of God's nearness, His presence, His voice. And that was our first week. We're in this series now called Deeper. And what we mean by deeper is there is more and God calls us to a place that we can't even imagine. He has gifts that we haven't even begun to fathom. And the way that we get there is, is this pursuit, this, this going after, this looking for what He has for us. Now this morning, you can see on your programs, we're going to talk about fasting. But what's really important, what's really essential is that we understand the backstory. It's really important that we understand who we are and who God is. And so we're going to go right to the very beginning, just for a moment. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Genesis 1. And I don't believe this is going to be up on the screen. That's totally fine. This is, this is a, a little bit of a jump off here, just for a moment. Genesis 1 says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What's really important before we start to talk about all the methods and the how-to is we understand who God is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is outside of time. He is the one who created. Our faith is in a God who is great enough to create everything around us. In the beginning, God created. And when we understand that, then we understand that we are actual creations. And once we understand that we are created, it identifies that we have a loyalty, a fidelity, to only one thing, to only one being, and that is God, our Creator. And so the reality is, you either believe that God created everything, or you can be outside, and maybe you're visiting here, maybe you got here early, and you're wrestling through this God, this Jesus thing, and you believe believe at this point that the earth was created by chance, by accident, uh, one way or the other, you believe in something. If you believe in by accident, by chance, your loyalty can be to whatever you want. It can be to yourself. But if you're here and you believe that God created in the beginning, 
He created the world. He created everything in the world. And he created human beings. Then you have this this response. And there's one unique thing about us. It says this in Genesis 2, that, that we were created in his image. We're, we're separate. We're set apart from all other things. We are created in his image. We are like God. And God gave two amazing gifts that he created us is the first. The second is that he gave us choice. We can choose him or not. And why do you mention that, Joel? Why are you talking about You see, anytime we start to do things outside of that context of relationship, of understanding who we are, of understanding that God created us, that he loved us, anytime we do that, we move into religion. And we don't want to be deeper in religion. We want to be deeper in relationship with Jesus. Do you, do you hear what I mean? So you can do all these acts. You can, you can pray your guts out. But if, if you think you're just praying because you have to, or if you're just praying to get something, or you can fast, and, and you can fast just because you think you, you have to. It's part of your religious duty. But then you're just pressing into religion. And God didn't make us for religion. God made us for relationship. And that's so, it's so essential that we understand that. So essential that as we talk about prayer and fasting over these next weeks, building up to Easter, that we understand that our backstory is that we were created, given choice. And we understand that Adam and Eve made a choice that was outside of God's best. But even in that moment, God spoke and said, hey, I have a way already prepared. And that's Jesus. That's our backstory. We're amazing creations that God loves and adores. That he made a way by sending his son Jesus. And that as we understand and put our faith in this truth that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he went to the cross, that he was murdered, he died on the cross, that he went to the grave, but then he rose again. As we believe in that, we come to life and we're restored into, not the Christian religion, we're restored into right relationship with God. That's our backstory. And see, it's from that place then that we pray. It's from that place that we start to do these other practices such as fasting. All right, beautiful church. Turn to Matthew 6. 
This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible because Jesus takes all of the laws and the rules of the time and he flips them right upside down. And he says, all the religious things that you guys have been trying to follow, I mean, they're good. They're, they're what were in place, but I'm bringing a new way. I'm bringing a new kingdom. I'm bringing things that are going to go so much beyond what you've known and experienced. It will blow your mind. And he talks about all these things, right? Murder, adultery, divorce, an eye for an eye. Chapter 6, Jesus talks about giving the alms, which the Jews were really good at. He talks about prayer, which they were really good at. He talks about fasting, which they were really good at. But these dear people were stuck in this idea of trying to do something for the sake of doing it. They had lost sight of relationship. especially the leaders of the day. And so Jesus says this, Matthew 6, verse 16, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Now, there's a bunch of different theories about this. Some say they, they just change their complexion, totally rub ash all over their face to, to try and become invisible. But really, they became more visible because they put stuff on their face to look different. Don't do that. Truly, I tell you, they, the hypocrites, have received their reward in full. And what's their reward? See, they walk down the street and people go, oh, that guy is super holy. I, I'm pretty sure I saw him with that stuff on his face yesterday. Maybe even that guy. Wow. That was their reward. They got it. Done. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting. Now, this is interesting, right? Because you see somebody with oily hair today and you go, oof, you should wash that hair. It's been said to a couple of my kids at various times, and we've all gone through it. Hey, when was the last time you actually washed your hair? Well, in that day, it was a sign. It was a symbol of being well kept. You'd oil your It was just normal. You'd, you'd keep your hair all greased up, nice and oily. It kind of makes me do this inside, right? You feel it on your fingers? That's good. So today, use head and shoulders. Wash your hair. Wash your face. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There it is again, this idea of reward. See, when the relationship is intact, right? When the relationship is, that's grace that's, that gets you into the relationship. Once we're in the relationship, then there's a higher calling for us to press in. And, and this idea that, uh, that once you are, once you're in relationship, you stop doing anything is a false one because what relationship is like that? 
It, it would be like entering into marriage, all this build-up, this, this excitement, this, this preparing for the wedding day, this planning out the service details, planning out where you're going to go on your, all, on your honeymoon, all those things, and, and you get to the wedding day, and it's beautiful, it's grand, you enter into this relationship, and then you just stop. Then you just coexist, then you do nothing. I've seen a couple of marriages like that. They're not marriages that you would want to be in. They're sad. They're lonely. And see, our, our confession of faith to Jesus is, is, is like that wedding. It's like that moment, but it doesn't stop there. See, after that, we keep pressing in with God. We press forward with Him. We look to Him. We wait on Him. We adore Him. We worship Him. He's provided everything that we need. Now we move with Him to go and give it, and sorry, get it and live into it. Are you with? Does that make sense? And what Jesus says here is that as we do these various things, so fasting is one of them, as we do these things, we will be rewarded. Anybody here not like rewards? That was an easy one to keep your hand down, right? I'll give you that one for free. I'll give you that one for free. Everybody wants rewards. God is such a good dad. He's saying, hey, be faithful with me in these things. I will reward you. Really, one way of understanding fasting is is that it's a preparation to receive a reward or a treasure. I'm going to say that again. I want you to hear. It's a preparation to receive a reward or a treasure. Now here's what's, what's essential for us. So we understand that we're created beings, that God is our creator, that He's created a way for us to be in relationship with Him through Jesus, that in that relationship we press in and we pursue and we go after it, and, and yet there's this false idea out here that it's only the really passionate people that do some of these things, like fast. Well, I'm not, I'm not really that devoted. I, I mean, God is so important to me, and I'll, I'll try and, and, you know, I'll, I'll get to church. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I pray, do my prayers throughout the day. But fasting, that's the next level. That's, that's not for me. John Wesley put it this way. He said, Some have exalted religious fasting beyond all Scripture and reason. They've pushed it way out there. In fact, that fasting has become almost a bit of a God itself. Lowercase g, God. And others have utterly disregarded it. And my concern for us, uh, church, is that we have lean more onto that side of completely disregarding it. And I believe God is at a point now where He's calling us. 
He's saying, hey, rise up. Rise up. I've got more for you, and you're just not seeing it right now. Rise up. Do these things that I've told you, that I've showed you. Rise up. Another person put it this way, fasting strengthens self-discipline. Anybody wrestle with self-discipline, self-control? It lessens the hold of material things upon us. It shows God that we mean business. It lessens the power of habit. And it enables us to seek God without distraction. Man, those all sound like amazing things. Those all sound like things that that I need. But church, those are things that every single one of us needs. See, this call into relationship isn't just for the select few. It isn't just for a bit of the elite. And it isn't like there's different tiers or levels. When we choose Jesus, we become his favorite. Every single one of us becomes his favorite. No matter what we do, we're that favorite. Right? We, we have that promise. But now is the part where we start to press in. We start to seek it out we start to engage. As you still got your uh, Bibles to Matthew, flip back two chapters to chapter four. And so Jesus has just been baptized by John, and then he receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit descends upon him. And then it says in Matthew 4, verse 1, And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And so there are other passages of Scripture where it talks about fasting from food and water. And that is a supernatural fast. And by no means uh, do we encourage that unless you hear really, really clearly from God. But make sure you're discerning in community, okay? But it says that he was hungry. So we understand that, that Jesus in this moment, he was fasting from food, but likely he was drinking. The tempter, that's the enemy, comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus, if, if you're really Jesus, I've been, I've been watching you. You've done some pretty amazing things. Just, I mean, you're good. You've got your 40 down. Tell these stones to become bread. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? And, and that's the, the thing about Satan, and we've said this before, we've heard this before, but he'll take something that's subtle and just turn it a little bit. Just enough so that rather than it leaving our eyes on Jesus, it turns them to something else. 
Did God really say not to eat that fruit? Just the, the subtle questions. And listen to what Jesus says. It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now that's a passage that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I don't know if you've spent time reading Deuteronomy 8 before, but there's some really rich things. I, I want us just to pause and go back to that for just a moment because I think there's so much here for us. Eight verse one, and I think we only have a, a verse three up there. That's perfect, Julie. You can keep it there. Thank you. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today, so that you may live and increase, and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Okay, this is pre-Jesus. This is looking far ahead when the rules will be abolished. And right now the rules are the best way to stay close to God. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. This came up last week if you were here. Somehow Philippians 2 made it into that message, and I believe this is a key part that God wants from us. I, I believe that God wants our hearts humbled. Not in a sense that we look at ourselves and see ourselves as worthless because we know that we're loved by God, created by God, but a humbled heart in that we understand who He is. That we understand that He is worthy of all of our devotion from every single one of us. Verse 3 goes on, He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. See, God led His people through the desert. He provided for them enough for every single meal. And He provided, and He provided, and He provided. And He kept the Israelites dependent and dependent and dependent. And it meant they moved into a place where they didn't live on bread alone, but they lived on the Word of God. And that's what Jesus is saying. I, I don't need your bread, Satan. God is sustaining me. Let's go just a little bit further. 8 verse 4. This is God's provision. Your clothes did not wear out. and Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. 
man, God loves us a lot. loves us a lot. Any, any of us here, I'm going to give you another freebie. Any of us like to be humbled? It's two freebies and one. So I'm not even making you repeat stuff today. No, nobody, nobody enjoys being humbled. Yeah, maybe. No, on the other side, I, I believe we enjoy and appreciate what happened. But when you're put into that place of being humbled, it can feel like humiliation. God never humiliates you. And rather, what we need to do is walk in a place of humility. We need to walk the way that Jesus did. And, and then we don't need the humbling. We don't need that. Because we're ever walking. We're walking the way that Jesus did. See, what Jesus is saying here when he's talking about fasting, when he's saying, don't make it look like you're fasting. Don't let people know Dress yourself, prepare yourself, and fast. Your Father who sees what you're doing, He will reward that. For people who are, are going, look at me, look at what I'm doing because I'm so great. They already got their reward. And what's, what's really interesting, this doesn't happen every time that I fast, but, but it's really interesting in those first moments, hours, whatever it is, or when you start to feel outside of the routine, you don't do your lunch, or you start to get a little bit hungry. It's funny how there's that little bit of pride that, that sneaks up. Ah, I'm sacrificing for Jesus. We get rid of that. That, that's the way to religion. That's the way to, to, to hypocrisy. That's the way to the look at how good I am. Uh-uh. That's why you banish it before it even becomes a, a place that has a seat in your life. You don't give any indication. You fix your eyes on Jesus. You walk and you live like he did. Motive is one of those key, key, essential things in fasting. Not for religion, not for duty, not because you're going to get a reward, the reward's happening, but because you want your eyes on God. He is the only one worthy of your devotion and your affection. All right, we're going to do one more 
One more Old Testament passage, and then we're going to get into some details. Turn to Isaiah 58. Turn to Isaiah 58. This is one of the richest uh, passages on fasting, and, and God is just saying, hey, this, this is the real deal. This is the real stuff. This is God speaking, shout it aloud, don't hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right as if they were a nation. How many times do we find ourselves in that place? As if. As if. They were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. And this is the people. Why have we fasted, they say, and you haven't seen it, God? We're doing the things that you wanted us to do. Even though we put the stuff on our faces and we make ever sure everybody around us knows that we're sacrificing. Why have we humbled ourselves and you haven't noticed? This is God who speaks. He speaks back and He says, Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. See, your motive underneath your fasting is so essential. It's so important that you understand why you are going to do what you're going to do. And it's no wonder the end of their fast day ends with them hitting each other. They've gone into the fast with, with mixed motives, with false motives, which means that any time there's a, a hunger pain, there's, there's no God center to dial it back. Now here's the difference. Now again, every single one of us is different. Our bodies function differently. And there are different fasts that, that have different moments. But I find that if I go and miss a meal uh, at lunch, or let's say I miss a breakfast and all of a sudden it's past lunch, I start to get irritable. It's not a planned fast. My body is hungry and, and I just, I want to fix the hunger. When I go into a fast with my eyes focused on God, all of a sudden you're moving past meals and, and it, it's almost that you're, you're energized. You miss a meal, eyes are on God. You miss a meal, eyes are on God. He sustains us. Now, that doesn't mean that inside of a fast, as it, as it goes on, that you're not going to feel hunger. Of course, you're going to feel that. But when your eyes are on God, He gives you the food that you need. He sustains you.
Verse 5, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed, for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? This, God says, this is what it looks like. It doesn't have the external the external things. It's not about what you look like. It's not about getting something. This is what it looks like. To loose the chains of injustice. And untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry? To provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Verse 8 says this, Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You will call, and the Lord will answer. You'll cry for help, and He will say, Here I am. God is saying that that your fasting isn't about looking like you're doing something and then doing nothing. What he's saying is that your fasting is about setting your heart aside, is about keeping your eyes on Jesus, and then acting where he tells you to act. And, And this is where it's, we can't separate fasting and prayer, can we? See, because in fact, what fasting does is it moves you more into that place of praying and praying and praying. It's amazing. It's amazing. There are numerous examples of fasting in the Bible. It's mentioned somewhere around 70 to to 80 times. I'm, I'm just going to mention names really quickly, and, and there may be time in your community groups to dig a little bit deeper into these, uh, or you can take them and, and seek out them after. Ezra was in a fast. Ezra ate. Ezra, he was in a fast. That's for you, buddy. Second Samuel uh, talks about David fasting. Remember when he was caught in sin and his baby died, he fasted. He sought God. Jonah brings this gospel message to the people of Nineveh. All of a sudden, everybody, all the Ninevites fasted. I mean, that's Old Testament mission right there. And on and on. There there are numerous other places. So we've talked a lot about what is fasting. We, we understand that what Jesus was saying is that your motive is so imperative. Understanding who you are as God's child is the first thing. That's, that's the backstory. That's the undergirding. Understanding that as His child, He deserves our devotion. Jesus said an interesting thing at the start of that 
passage in Matthew 6. Julie, if you wouldn't mind throwing it back up there just for a moment. Those three words at the start have an implication for every single one of us, don't they? Actually, it's the first word that, that makes it. When you fast. So is, is there an actual, one of the Ten Commandments is make sure you fast? No. But Jesus said, when you fast, which meant that he was talking to his disciples, which means that he's talking to every single one of us that would put our faith in him and be in right relationship. There's this anticipation that you will be fasting. It's what we do as we seek after God. It's one of those things that helps refine us and give us focus when you fast. So if we get to the end of the message and somebody asks me, should I fast? I, th I think you missed that part. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? There are other passages that talk about when we fast, when our adoration is on God, we receive his joy. Wait, wait a sec. So I stop eating and it makes me happier? Absolutely. That's what God does. It's a different type of currency. His kingdom is a different type of kingdom. And his kingdom needs to be the one that has the four, the four, it's at the forefront of who we are. His kingdom first. When you fast, absolutely when you fast. Okay, so when should we fast then? Well, here's the first thing that you do. You start by asking God. God, do you want me to fast? Yes, I want. I can help you answer that one. God's saying, yes, I want you to fast. Okay, when, God? And then you listen. And he might say, I, tomorrow, I want you to fast tomorrow. I want you to look to me. I know you've got this situation going on. I, I want you to trust me. And then, and then I'll reward you. It might be that you go to that time of prayer and you don't hear anything really clearly or you hear a bunch of different things. That's when you come to your, uh, you go to your community group and say, hey, I'm, I'm trying to discern when I should fast. And you start to process and you start to listen to God and you start to help each other hear God's voice. Or uh, if you're not in a community group, then you come forward to one of our prayer teams. Or you do both. You say, hey, God, is, uh, I, I want to fast. I, I just don't know when. So when should you fast? That one you have to figure out with God. But should you fast? Absolutely, you should fast. What how I feel so bad I haven't fasted. It just hasn't been on my radar. It hasn't been... Don't even listen to those words. Those aren't God's words. God's words are, hey, come on, I got something for you. Press into me. That's God speaking. If you still, after those discerning processes, can't hear God clearly, start with a small fast. Miss one meal and spend the time that you would be eating Spend that in prayer before God. Journal, 
Write down even notions that you hear. Write them down and then hold them before God and, and sift and listen. Then go back to your normal routine. You can handle missing a meal. Okay, after that, maybe do two meals. Make it a slow and steady progression. A marathon runner, if they haven't been training, you don't go out and run a marathon the first day that you train. You build, you build, you build. Expert, can you verify that? You agree with that? Thank you. It's good to verify things with our resident experts. Now, the reality is we're a couple weeks into Lent. Lent, historically, but the church is a time for fasting. Often people will take on an extra day or two within the, the Lent uh, season. Sometimes people will do it differently. They will take something out of their routine. Maybe take sugar or a coffee or tea. And, and, and refrain from that for a season for the purpose of being and hearing God. What should you fast from? Look at your life right now, and if you think there's something that you couldn't do without, consider fasting. Those are all excellent things to fast from. The examples that I mentioned are, are various types of fast. Daniel, for example, fasted from certain things in his diet. He didn't stop eating altogether. There are different types of fast. Again, the important thing isn't exactly what you're fasting from. The important thing is that you're taking the step in obedience and your eyes are fixed firmly on Jesus. If you have some kind of a medical condition, make sure you consult with your doctor. And hey, this is a brilliant opportunity to journey with your doctor, for your doctor to see you putting, putting your faith to work. Your faith in Jesus, putting it to work. And it's a great opportunity when all of a sudden you go back to your doctor and Jesus has healed whatever condition was keeping you in that place. Right? I know that happens in other places, and I know that is going to start happening here as we continue to press in. I'm just going to read with you a, a brief example. This is some, someone who shared um, in Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. If you don't have that book, I encourage you to get it. It's a brilliant book. It just talks sequentially through all the various disciplines. But Foster is so gifted at saying, hey, your eyes need to be fixed on God. And so this is somebody who over the course of a year took one day every week and fasted. And they kept a journal entry. And so these are six entries from their journal that I'm going to share with you. So this, this first one says, I felt it a great accomplishment to go a whole day without food. Congratulated myself on the fact that I found it so easy. What do you hear there? There's that little bit of pride that creeps up, right? Two began to see that the above was hardly the goal of fasting, was helped in this by beginning to feel hunger. Three, I began to relate the food fast to other areas of my life where I was more compulsive. I did not have to have a seat on the bus to be contented or be cool in the summer 
and warm when it was cold. For I reflected more on Christ's suffering and the suffering of those who are hungry and have hungry babies. Six months after beginning the fast discipline, I began to see why a two-year period has been suggested. The experience changes along the way. Hunger on fast days became acute and the temptation to eat stronger. For the first time, I was using the day to find God's will for my life. Began to think about what it meant to surrender one's life. There's one more, but I think that is so important. Because when, when we stop consuming the things around us and all of a sudden realize who God is and what He has, or our response can't be anything other than surrender. God, You have my life. Take my life. Thank You. Last one, I now know that prayer and fasting must be intricately bound together. There is no other way, and yet that way is not yet combined in me. So good. So good. I'm going to invite our ministry teams, if you can make your way forward. And we're going to move into ministry time right now. Now, there is, is such a clear call to action here, and that call to action is for every single one of us to actually stand up and engage, to stand up and, and to start to, to practice these things, to, to stand up, to pray continually, to stand up and fast. Now, it may be that um, you find yourself a couple weeks into Lent and you didn't even realize it was Lent and it, it went by so fast. Um, it's not too late to consider something for this season, this church season of ours. But I also want to invite you to consistently build your endurance. And, and by that, I mean to, to consistently come before God acknowledge that you are the created being, that He is the creator, that He is worthy of everything that you have. To take things that, that have moved into a place that belongs only to God, to set them aside, to fast from those. And see, this, this call to action is for every single one of us here. It's for every single one of us. Now, intentionally so, I haven't mentioned any of the physical benefits because that's something that's, that's come on the radar of people. But here's another thing for us. It shouldn't surprise us that God wants us to do things that are good for us. Right? <laughs> He's a good dad. Man, does he love us. Can I invite you to stand? I'm going to pray us out.
Um, so, church, I just have a strong sense that there's somebody here who has wanted to come forward for prayer for some time, uh, but just hasn't done it, ha has been resisting. And I guess you could probably say that every Sunday, but um, my, my sense is that today is that day for you, and maybe it's more than one you. And so as we pray right now, I just want you to listen, and if you feel that, that pull, that tug, that nudge, that draw, um, don't stay where you are, just come forward so we can pray. Lord, we adore you. We are your children. You are our Father. We are created. You are the Creator. Thank you, Lord. You have such an amazing way for us. And the more we fix our eyes on you, the more we see it, Lord. Show us, we pray. Show us what we need to set aside, whether that's food, whether that's technology, whether that's a relationship, whether that's a substance. Show us, Lord, so that we can set aside and we can fast, so that we can fix our eyes on you and we can walk into the hope and the healing that you have. Thank you, Lord. And so I, I just pray a strength for us as a church. In Jesus' name, I, I pray a strength. Lord, I ask that you would build us up, that you would give us endurance, that you would give us a call, that you would give us a clarity. Show us when to move, show us when to stay. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if at any point during that, uh, the, the, the worship, during this last week, during the message, you're, you're feeling a tug, like somebody, you need some prayer, uh, come and pray. Uh, everything that, that we share, um, everything that is shared, sorry, stays. It's confidential. It's safe. Our only longing is to see God's fullness. Um, move in all of our lives. So bless you this week, church, in Jesus' name. And move uh, from this place encouraged, empowered. Move and be a light. Have a great week.